You are listening to WRFG Atlanta, 89.3 FM. Up next, Alternative Perspectives, Atlanta's only queer radio hour. Hold on tight. And thank you so much for listening to WRFG Atlanta 89.3 FM on your dial, streaming at WRFG.org. Welcome to Alternative Perspectives. This is Atlanta's only local radio hour devoted exclusively to issues affecting Atlanta's queer community. I am your host, Greg Bosson. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And this is my first day back in 2023 um and we are in a new year uh and everybody is um probably thinking that this year is going to be better than last year because we were still dealing with covid last year i had an incredible year last year so i'm a little bit worried like is this year not going to be as good for me but anyway uh that's negative thinking which i'm very good at um anyway uh the weather has been great today, absolutely beautiful out, but of course I am inside all day because I'm an accountant, which also means that it's tax season for me. But anyway, that's my own personal problem. All right. So um, tonight on the show, our interview, we have an interview with a man by the name of Robert Graves. Uh, Robert Graves lives in Buffalo. Uh, and uh, I think he grew up in New York as well, Rochester. He lives in Buffalo now. He is a LGBTQ plus community advocate and an author of a book, an autobiography called I, Rob Graves. <clears throat> now, the book is an autobiography in which Robert tells the story of his lifelong struggles with internalized homophobia, bipolar, depression, and anonymous sex addiction, which went on for over 20 years. Uh, during the height of the AIDS epidemic, AIDS epidemic, um, uh, Robert has come through all of this. He's alive and kicking, and has found success and peace with himself. Uh, he's more than survived; he's thriving. Uh, and thankful for, thankfully for us, he has put his story out there for all of us to read and learn from. So uh, I'm excited to have someone on the show that has been dealing or has dealt successfully with sex addiction. Uh, sex addiction is big in our community, uh, in particular, and, um, it has one of the lowest rates of recovery. So sex addiction is a tough, addic- uh, tough thing to talk about. So, um, just want to say here that, uh, the opinions expressed today, uh, are those of myself and my guest and do not necessarily represent the views of WRFG, its employees, board, volunteers, funders, or listeners. And if you have kids, uh, they probably probably don't want them listening uh, to because we're going to be talking about sex addiction during the show. Uh, but before we do that, news of the queer. Uh-uh. I know that's right. Oh, no, she didn't say what. All right. Uh, so the news. So what we have going on is, you know what? I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to start with international news. I'm going to start with a little tiny European nation by the name of Liechtenstein. All right. Uh, The new year is currently 
off to a rocky start for parliamentarians in the tiny European nation of Liechtenstein, who are currently in a standoff with the country's lone archbishop, Wolfgang Haas, over the recent passage of a bill legalizing same-sex marriage. So last year, Liechtenstein passed a bill legalizing same-sex marriage, and in December, the archbishop, Haas announced via the unofficial bulletin for the archdiocese uh, that he was canceling a high-profile mass called the Holy Spirit Service. Now, this is a service that has been traditionally held at the opening session of Parliament for years. Uh, It's called the Land Tag, and it happens at the beginning of the new year. Uh, Why is the archbishop canceling this Holy Spirit service, this mass? Uh, The reason for the cancellation is because the parliament voted and has supported uh, the country's marriage for all motion. The mass is usually attended by legislators and members of the government in a statement published in the Archdiocesan Bulletin Vobiscum. Haas lamented that parliament, all of whose members belong to the Catholic Church, voted to pass a bill such as this. So we'll see what happens. This came out uh, just today in the news. Uh, So um, it would be unfortunate if mass didn't happen, but if that's what has to happen because of this one archbishop, then that's what has to happen. Uh, But anyway, marriage becoming legal in Liechtenstein. Very exciting. All right. Um, Another positive note or in a country that has been, uh, bending conservative for the last few years. Uh, And this is Poland. Um, I know I've talked about this on the show, but there are these LGBT free zones that various cities and towns across Poland, uh, the city uh, council has been passing these, um, these, uh, I don't know, statements or rules or whatever you want to call them uh, saying that they are free of LGBT ideology. Uh, But anyway, the good news is one town in Poland uh, is dropping its official anti-LGBTQ plus stance in favor of being non-discriminatory. Wow, there's something that's shocking. Let's be (laughs) non-discriminatory. Anyway, um, and the reason why they're doing it is, well, because of money. Uh, they They are afraid of losing funding. On March 19th, the local council of Swidnik Uh, I probably did not say that right. Uh, In the country's east, adopted the declaration to have the country be free of LGBT ideology, including not allowing homo propaganda alongside other parts of Poland. About a third of Poland made declarations of this sort since 2019, driven by an upswing in anti-LGBTQ plus sentiment from the ruling law and justice party. But... Here we have one town that has decided to be non-discriminatory. So congratulations and uh, appreciation goes to the account, the, um, the town of Svignik in the east. We'll see if I pronounce that right or not. Probably uh, not. All right. Uh, we just have a, a couple of other things <clears throat> uh, out that, uh, ah, so... There has been, this is national, this is here in the United States, far-right activists 
engaged in at least 55 public actions targeting members of LGBTQ plus community. This according to a new report released this week by the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project, ACLID. Um, that number, 55 public actions, is up from only 16 in 2021, which marks an increase in three of 340%. Uh, even more concerning is a corresponding rise in violent attacks on people perceived to be gay or transgender. Uh, in 2022, ACLED reports 14% of demonstrations involving far-right groups have been anti-LGBT+, up more than 3% from last year. Though not limited to organized far-right actors, these groups have taken an increasingly large role in the anti LGBT plus mobilization around the country. Far-right groups have engaged in over three times more anti-LGBT plus demonstrations than they did last year, um, the previous year being 2020, uh, uh, 2021. All right. Um, let's see. And there was something else that I wanted to um, – just to kind of remind you, last month Donald Trump had dinner with Nick Fuentes, a far-right neo-Nazi right, white nationalist and Holocaust denier. Fuentes attended the 2017 white supremacist rally in Charlottesville and was a speaker at the Stop the Steal rally prior to the January 6th election, uh, insurrection. Um, he has expressed strongly anti-LGBTQ views, calling out the LGBT agenda. Fuentes has referred to both trans people and same-sex people and, and same-sex marriage as deviancy. So pretty concerning here, not surprising. All right, and then I think I have one more thing here. Uh, this is in the entertainment area. Uh, Jeremy Pope, uh, who is an actor uh, in... Uh, he, he had a performance uh, in The Inspection, uh, which is an indie drama, which was the story of one gay man's harrowing, harrowing and healing journey through boot camp to become a U.S. Marine. It's interesting. It's an indie drama, but it's about a U.S. Marine. Anyway, uh, Jeremy Pope, the actor, actually had to leave another studio um, because there was um, homophobic um homophobic concerns uh that he had so uh let's see uh let's see ah okay so this was he didn't say the name of the uh studio that he had to leave uh pope avoids giving any further details about the film he was he was scheduled for another film before he did uh the inspection but he left the studio and the film and uh the reason why is because it turned out the unnamed director of the film was hesitant about whether or not Pope could have be have believable chemistry with a woman because he is gay. So uh, that's really strange. Uh, how many gay actors are there out there? How many actors are gay out there, male actors that are uh, having believable relationships uh, with women? And, straight men who have believable relationships with other men. So um, it's called acting folks. Uh, so anyway, uh, good for Jeremy. Uh, 
leaving a studio uh, after hearing the uh, director's concerns around him not being able to act straight, uh, or at least not have a believable relationship. Really sad, but not surprising. All right, and that's all we have for you. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, listening again, um, and we will be right back. The message is perfectly simple. The meaning is clear. Don't ever stray too far. And don't disappear. No, don't disappear. Ever had the feeling? Like you do, you do
You are listening to WRFG Atlanta. WRFG provides a voice for those who have been traditionally denied access to broadcast media through a broad base of community elements to guarantee that access. In the utilization of the facilities and in its programs, the following communities will receive first priority. Those who continue to be denied free and open access to broadcast media and those who suffer oppression or exploitation based upon class, race, sex, age, creed, sexual orientation, disability, or immigrant status. To learn how you can support WRFG's mission, please go to WRFG.org. For those of you that are not aware, that um, is a song by Tovlo, and it's called uh, To Die For. And um, it's actually, um, they pull a sample from a song called Popcorn that was in 1972. And for those of you that are as old as I am, then you might uh, actually remember that unless you were on uh, too many drugs while it was playing in the gay dance bars. But anyway... Uh, welcome back to Alternative Perspectives. I'm Greg Bosson, your host. This is Atlanta's only local radio hour in Atlanta devoted exclusively to issues affecting the queer community. Uh, today is January the 10th, for those of you that did not know, and it's a nice, it's a nice sunny day today. Um, and now for our guest. So our guest tonight, oh, I forgot to say you're listening to WRFG Atlanta, 89.3 FM. Um, our guest tonight is an LGBTQ plus community advocate and author. Uh, his name is Robert Graves. And the reason why Robert is with us tonight is because he has a new book out, um, which is called I, Rob Graves. Now, the book is an autobiography in which Robert tells the story of his lifelong struggles with internalized homophobia, uh, bipolar depression, uh, an anonymous sex addiction uh, that ran through the height of the AIDS epidemic, um, and just basic issues that he struggled with throughout his life. Um, Thank you very much, Robert, for being on the show, by the way. Well, thank you for having me. All right. And Robert, um, you have come through all of this um, because you've been struggling really since you were nine years old um, with um, mental disorder um, and all of these other issues. Um, But Robert has come through it all and is alive and kicking. He is with us. 
Uh, and um, not only is he uh, has he survived, but he is also currently thriving and has found success and peace with himself. Uh, and thankfully, he has put his story out there for all of us to read and learn from. Again, the book is I, Rob Graves. And I think I'm going to start with that, Rob. Um, well, first of all, is this your first book? This is my first book, yes. And um, how yeah. long did it take you to get through writing this? It it took me 10 weeks, but I... Really? Yeah, only 10 weeks. But I lived on a boat off the coast of Clearwater Beach, Florida, and sequestered myself during the height of the pandemic and just took a sabbatical from work and just blew it out really i i focused on the book non-stop for 10 weeks well wow. I, I would write i would go to bed i would get up and over and over again well and you know the story is really um a tale of the journey that you've had in your life a lot of which was quite painful i'm assuming um well i'll ask you what was the reasoning why did you decide to even write the book because this is pretty ballsy of you to share some of this stuff um, with well, the public. a couple of queers pissed me off one day on vacation, to be honest. Um, and I'll tell you the story quickly. Uh, we were on vacation in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and we were on an excursion, and the topic of being poor came up. And I thought it was inappropriate conversation for the circle that we were in. So I just you know, said, you know what, guys, let's not talk about poverty and being poor it's 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 inappropriate and it's 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 not the time or place to discuss you know whether or not you think poor is being because uh, they said poor was nothing but being lazy ah and i you know i could see where it was going so i quickly changed the subject uh and i grew up in in poverty where my only meal was from school you know, for a time being, while my mother was going back to school to re-educate herself after the divorce. So I just said, you know what? You don't know my story. I don't know your story. We're going to change the subject. So about 20 minutes later, they got on the subject of mental health. And they said that people who are depressed just need to pull up their bootstraps and get out of bed. Oh, my God. And I was... Right, I was so appalled, but I, I took the higher road um, and said, you know what, let's, let's not go there. And we had to take a boat, about an hour boat ride back to Puerto Vallarta from the excursion where we were. So I just kind of went off and I was sitting on the edge of the boat, watching the moonrise over the Pacific, thinking to myself, what just happened? And I'm like, I have a story to tell. And I'm going to tell it. And it was right there, right then, as I was watching the moonrise, that I decided to write my book. Wow. Wow. Well, and it was three years, three years, almost to the day between the time I decided to write the book and the time I published it. Well, that's, I think that's really impressive. And actually, I've been on that excursion from Puerto Vallarta, the day long queer excursion yeah you go out and you go to the little thing and they let you swim for a little while and then there's you know dinner and dancing and a show 
Yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh, I just, I just hate that that happened for you. So, but actually it was great because it's an example of you turning a negative experience into something positive. Oh, um, which it, I, I think it's, it's kind of a hallmark of, um, it feels like it's a hallmark of your life. And it's also really, it's really the best way to live through something like, cause you, you've dealt with a lot of internal issues over your life and you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough situation, but you've taken uh, lemons um, and you've made lemonade. Um, mm-hmm. That's what it feels like to me. Um, yeah, this, absolutely. Th- now you, the book is called I Rob Graves, um, which sounds like being of sound mind. This sounds like your last will and testament. So is that, did I read this wrong or what is that? No. So <laughs> it's, it's really a story of, it's, it's a play on my name, obviously. But it's bigger than that. I lived through the AIDS epidemic, being having a, a, a very, very strong sex addiction. And it wasn't just a general sex addiction where I knew the people. It was anonymous. It was back alleys. It was uh, adult theaters. And I really came out of it unscathed believe it or not. I came out of that after 22 years. This wasn't just an addiction that happened over the course of a year. This went from, you know, the time I was coming out all the way until my early 40s through the height of the AIDS epidemic, and I came through it HIV negative. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, So... What I the reason for I Rob Graves is because that's what I was doing. Every time I was robbing the grave of someone that did not survive. Right. So I just got that. I was thinking just your name. I forgot about you Rob Graves, like a grave robber. Yeah, yeah. It's um uh, it's it's a metaphor for my survival in my life. Wow. Wow. Well, let's let's start with the um I mean, you know, the t- the story it, it tells the story of your life, but let's talk a little bit about the sex addiction. Um and I will um tell you that um I've been to sex addicts uh anonymous meetings. I've been to SA meetings um mm-hmm. in my life. Um I thought I had a sex addiction. It's, it's, it's a, for sometimes for some people, it's tough to kind of figure out, but it's kind of like food. Cause you know, we all need sex. It's right. Like, you know, but so like navigating, like what is healthy and what is unhealthy. But, um, I guess we'll start with, tell me, tell me, um, how did your, when did this first start with you and, and, and how did it first appear? When did you first, uh, feel like it was a problem well it appeared early in my 20s as i was coming to terms with my sexuality there was a park in rochester new york where i was living and i there was a huge reservoir it was a it was a, a park with a reservoir and you know beautiful landscaping and i would go and read by the reservoir and i tell the story in the book how this gentleman came up to me at dusk and propositioned me. 
and I was totally taken aback and didn't didn't uh, take him up on his offer. But uh, later I found out that the park was notorious for gay men having sex. And what year? Of, what what year is this? The seventies? <laughs> no, this is um, ninety three. Ninety three. Okay, sorry. I thought I. <laughs> you don't look that old. I'm just yeah, I'm, my yeah. head's in the seventies because of that song, popcorn. Okay, nineteen ninety three. Yeah. So okay, this, this, in, this was about ninety three, ninety four, and I was like, oh, okay. Then I found out that that explained the activity in the park. Every because I would go there quite often to read, and then I got intrigued and decided to to to, to go play, and it really captured my interest, and, and and I really enjoyed it. the The anonymity of it, the 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 dirty boy in me came out. And was like, oh, this is, this is risky. This is, I could get in a lot of trouble for this. And, and that intrigued me. And over the years, it just escalated. And, you know, it turned into going to the bookstore or the adult bookstore where they had the, the, the dirty little theater in the back, the adult movie theater, uh, the park the spa, anywhere where I could find anonymity in sex, I would go. I would frequent. And at the height, I had a routine where I would go for hours at a time and then leave, go, shower, have dinner, come back, and hit the night crowd. I would go after work at five, six o'clock, hit the after hour, the after work crowd, and then, you know, come back and then get the overnight crowd. Yeah. So this, a couple of questions about this, but first of all, it sounds like it really, it started taking up an incredible amount of time when you weren't working. Incredible amount of time and an incredible amount of money because every time they didn't have a, they didn't have a buy 12, get one free visit card. <laughs> oh, so uh, you were paying for this? I was paying to go go to, because you had to go pay for the theater. You had to go pay for the spa. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. It wasn't like prostitution then. No, no, no. I wasn't hiring prostitutes, but I was paying for entry into the facilities. Right, right. I gotcha. So two things. One is this was going on. During, um, I mean, in the, in the early 90s, HIV was still pretty serious. I mean, it's still serious now. Um, but um, so we're, how did you deal with that? I mean, is that, was that part of what excited you, the risk yep. of it? The risk wow. of it. The riskier the sex, the better the high. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. And hey, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't, so no condoms then? No condoms. Wow, and you irresponsible. I was so irresponsible, Greg. But that's what got me off. Right, right. I can't believe that you you turned out HIV negative. If you were receive, were you receiving? You were I getting, was. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. 
So it got you off, but at the same time, were you concerned about it afterwards or like, how did you deal with the concern about it or just didn't seem to exist? Well, it wasn't until I was concerned about it. So there was, it, it was, it was very, um, oh, it was, I don't even know how to describe the feeling. But yes, there was some concern, but the highs, when I would get the high, it would totally outweigh the concern. Right, right. They almost go hand in hand in a way. It's like the 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 fear and the arousal are kind of tied together yeah, almost. Yeah. It's, 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 I can't describe it. It's really mm-hmm. very, and I've never been able to describe, my, my therapist really we worked on this for a while about it, about that very question about, you know, what were you feeling after? And I could never pinpoint and articulate that feeling. It was fear, but the, the high overcame the fear. I, I, I would, I would think it was, almost numb a little bit there's fear but you're kind of numbed right afterwards yeah until the in until you're able to um until the arousal peaks again um yeah no i i i i I share that with you it's not really about risk um but it is about uh shame for me i kind of i've had a a thing and i've traced it to my childhood where i kind of get off being shamed so shame Mm -hmm. and sexual arousal kind of fused is fused for me but um right right all right well um when we get back i want to talk how you you know resolved or how you dealt with the issue but we're going to take um a break right now Uh, we are speaking with community advocate and author robert graves um and robert has a new book out called i rob graves um where he tells the story of overcoming um or yeah, overcoming his uh, anonymous sex addiction, uh, bipolar depression, and other issues. So um, we will be right back. With heterosexual black women experiencing the second highest rate of new HIV infections in the southern U.S., the Reginald and Dion Smith Foundation believe that the heterosexual black man's willingness to be supportive and proactive about HIV is integral to the survival of the black family. Patients newly diagnosed with HIV are encouraged to enroll in HIV care and find support groups to better understand and navigate the disease. The Alliance for Narrative Change about HIV, led by the Reginald and Dion Smith Foundation, wants you to know that support and encouragement is available at www.therdsf.com. That's therdsf.com. This is another public service announcement brought to you by your listener-sponsored and supported Community Radio 89.3 FM WRFG.org, your station for progressive information and hand-picked quality music. Thank you. 
You are listening to WRFG Atlanta 89.3 FM on your dial, streamable at WRFG.org, streamable around the world. Um, You are listening to Alternative Perspectives. This is Atlanta's only queer radio hour. I am Greg Bosson, your host. Uh, By the way, uh, it's 2023. Don't forget that. Um, It does happen every year. It changes. Uh, but And we are speaking uh, with Robert Graves, who has come out with his first book, I, Rob Graves. Uh, so we were talking about uh, your uh, sex addiction. Yeah. And so it sounds like, and, and, you know, and I do, I do want to say to anybody who is listening, I, I don't know that being aroused and liking like anonymous sex in and of itself is, is like always a bad thing. You know, I don't know that anonymous sex just, of course, just like eating isn't necessarily a bad thing. I, I don't want to pass judgment on it, but it, it, it was taking up an incredible amount of your time and money and really interfering with the rest of your life. Um, it in many, it many really ways. was controlling my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, and that's where it became a problem. I so, don't want to like you, I don't want to, you know, cast judgment on anyone who's going and having anonymous sex. It is definitely part of, part of, part of our culture. You know, Mm -hmm. if if you want to go that far. Um, And many people have asked me, well, or have said to me, well, how can you really tell it's an addiction? And it was controlling my life. Everything that I did revolved around how I was going to get the next high and when I was going to be able to go to a venue where I could participate in that. Yep. 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 That makes, that makes sense. So what made you finally decide, okay, I'm going to go get some help. And, and how did you do that? Well, the drug Truvada came out prep. And I wanted, I'm like, bonus. I can have all the sex I want and be 99.9% protected. And so I went to my primary care doctor and he would not prescribe it. And I asked him why. He's like, well, I don't know enough about it. I'm like, well, isn't it your job to find out about it? I'm like, here I am asking you to do something that could potentially save my life and you're my doctor you've been my doctor for years and you won't do it he's like i'm sorry i won't well i left the practice that day and never came back found a new found a healthcare provider that was specifically geared towards lgbtq population the, the lgbtq population and I had to go through the intake for PrEP. And if you've ever, those of you who are on PrEP know, they ask you some pretty personal questions. And I couldn't be honest because I didn't know. It was at the peak of my addiction. And I didn't, I really didn't know how many partners I had had that month. Wow. So I'm like, 25? I don't know. I said to the girl, I'm like, I really don't know. She's like, what do you mean you don't know? I'm like, 
I ran out of fingers and toes, I'll say. And uh, we got a giggle out of it, but it was a real wake-up call for me. And I went on prep, and that was great. And it was at that time, it was a smack in the face. It was a real wake-up call. I went back into therapy. Gotcha. I had been through therapy uh, coming out into my early 20s, but I was never, I never talked about the addiction or the anonymous sex because in the early stages, I felt that was normal it, or it was, it was just part of being gay. And, and for most of us, it is just that. It wasn't until it started controlling my life that it became a problem. And so I went back into therapy and I was really honest with her. And I was um, in my early 40s and she's like, Robert, you're not clinically depressed. You're bipolar and you're self-medicating your bipolar through anonymous sex. That high that you're feeling is like you're taking a pill every day. And the reason you need it so much is because your bipolar is so distinct. Wow. So the the lights really came on and really just, she really shed some light on what I had been dealing with. Well, it sounds very lucky for you. You know, there's not a lot of great therapists around these days. And of course, this was a while ago. But for somebody to be able to not cast judgment and be able to see past it as just, well, this is just a generic addiction and go to SA and to be able to tie it to something else that you, I assume, were eventually diagnosed as bipolar or were you diagnosed before? Yeah, I was diagnosed with bipolar depression. Wow. Which I do want to talk. And that's great. So just to kind of finish this out. So we stopped having anonymous sex and we started treating bipolar. Is that basically what happened? Yeah, I went on medication. I went on um, a very uh, high dose of uh, bipolar medication. And it was like the switch went off. Really? No longer needed it no longer needed that high because the chemical, it's a brain imbalance, right? It's a chemical imbalance in your brain. Your brain misfires. That's what bipolar is. It's just, I mean, for lack of, there's all kinds of medical terminology that that you could get into. But basically your brain misfires and it causes a chemical imbalance. Gotcha. Well, I was reading, um, so um, uh, this is um, from the National Institute of Mental Illness. Bipolar disorder, uh, which used to be called manic depressive Uh disorder, is a mental illness that features extreme shifts between manic emotional states and depressive emotional states. Uh, In most cases, bipolar disorder appears in in the teen or early adult years. Now, looking back, because you said you were starting, you were you were having trouble um, with mental health as early as nine. Um, yeah, my de- my depression manifested at the age of nine. I had my first suicidal ideation at nine years old. You tried to kill yourself at nine. 
I wanted to. I, gotcha. I asked my mom for help. Oh, wow. And um, so she gave me a hug, patted me on the back, and told me to go back and tur- do my homework. Oh, my Tough God. Um, but I struggled through it um, because I didn't, I didn't have access to pills. I didn't have access to guns. And I didn't really know how to tie a knot because I wasn't in Boy Scouts. Gotcha. Uh, uh, but I, I, I joke about it. I kid. But really, I struggled with it up until I was 16. And then I was able to go into counseling on my own at 16 and go on medication at 18. So I've been on antidepressants since I was 18. But I never really talked about the highs or the the sex addiction or the anonymous sex part of it because I just thought that was part of life. Right, right. You didn't you didn't you thought it was part of the gay thing and not really related. Yeah. 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 So we never we never put two and two together until I was in my early forties. That's incredible that's incredible so and and uh, just for the audience to know um uh it affects uh bipolar disorder in addition to teens um it affects 2.6 percent of the u.s adult population um and that doesn't sound like much you know 2.6 percent but that's 5.7 million people mm-hmm. now, that's a lot of people um and just uh if you could uh well it sounds like has this been under control ever since you started going on those yep nights? yeah wow that's yeah, incredible it's, yeah it's really and um up until up until new year's new year's eve i had been celibate since i wrote the book oh you you had sex on new year's eve yeah, yeah, for the first yeah. time in two years. Because I was going to ask you, um, you know, so when did you stop having anonymous sex then? How long has that been? Um, 40, about five years ago. Five years. Okay. And does that mean that after that you've had no sex until a week and a half ago? No, no. I, you know, met people, dated people. You know, did the did the uh, scruff app and talk to people, but not the spa or the bookstore or the. Uh... Gotcha. Gotcha. But it's been a while. So and the other thing I guess I was curious about is so many years um, having sex under, you know, in, in kind of a manic sort of state. Um, anonymous sex. I mean, this is, this is what sex, this was the definition of sex for you. Yeah. So now, I mean, how does that translate to having sex with somebody that, you know, that maybe you've gone on a date with, you know, that you, it's really boring. No, no, Uh, no, I've had to, um, I've had to adapt and overcome. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it did put, I've never been in a relationship longer than six months. So this really did affect my ability to have relationships. 
Uh, excuse me. You're fine. And uh, it really has been uh, problematic in the in the relationship arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I met a real nice guy over New Year's, and we hit it off. Uh, I actually went up to t- Toronto with a friend of mine, and we celebrated New Year's in Toronto. And met a, met a you know super nice guy and and we hit it off, so I broke my I broke my streak. Uh, <laughs> well, good for you. I I yeah, I will... it was it was good, and I forgot how much I enjoyed it. Well, I will tell you, for me, um, I uh, I mean, I guess. I had this is somewhat similar, but I had a relationship with somebody many years ago um, that was based on really shame. Um, And uh, it was really awful spending time with him. Um, But uh, he treated me poorly in a number of ways. But um, the sex was incredibly hot and it was incredibly hot, partially because it was such a toxic relationship for me. and so, um, you know, I went to a therapist about it many years ago um, who told me, you know, when it comes to arousal, um, you know, it, you can't really subtract, but you can add. So in other words, you know, this kind of thing is arousing to you, this shame thing, but you can add, you know, you can, you can have intimacy in other ways. And, and at this point in my life, I mean, I'm in a relationship now, I'm very happy, but um, you know, that that white hotness of, mm-hmm. um, is is not something that I necessarily experience in the same way, but I don't need it anymore. You know, it's not, you know, it's it's OK, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have uh, an amazing life. I have an amazing circle of friends. I have a family that I adore. Um, nephews and nieces and great nephews and great nieces. And I can't count anymore. Um uh, but I do, you know, over the blizzard, I'm from Buffalo, as you said, and we had a tremendous blizzard over Christmas. And I was stuck in the house alone for five days. And I'm like, well, it would have been nice to be, you know, stuck at home with someone I loved. Yes. Or someone that I was in a relationship with. Um, but that's okay. You know, it's all part of It'll happen when it happens. I'm I'm not at all going to go back to the way I was. Just right. For the physicality of it. Right. It, 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 I've I've lost. I let my bipolar. It was I let my bipolar control my life because I didn't want to address it. Um. And I lost friendships because of it. Uh, I was almost arrested because of it. Uh, And and not because I was having sex in in a park. Because I threw a bottle of water at the bartender at Stonewall. Oh, wow. Because I was in a drunken rage. 
And we ended up in a fist fight outside of Stonewall in New York. And the wow. cops came. The cops were coming. I was able to get away and run. And, you know, I almost lost a dear friend of mine. Um, but, um, you know, now I can't go to Stonewall without, you know, a mask. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't think that bar's that impressive these days. Anyway, yeah, um, uh, I could take it or leave it. <laughs> so, but uh, I've had drunken rages where I have lost friends. Wow. Well, does that mean there's a problem with alcohol then? It it wasn't a problem with the el- the alcohol. I how do I want to say it? I would drink in excess on occasion, very, very few and far between, uh, on special like Pride. The one, I'll tell the story of uh, Pride in Buffalo many years ago. We were at the waterfront in Buffalo drinking, and I got separated from my friends. I missed the last shuttle bus. My friend who was from Indianapolis got separated and... He was looking for me. I was looking for him. I just kept drinking uh, until I could get a ride back from the waterfront back to downtown where the festival continued. And um, I finally found out where he was. I drove after drinking all day to the bar and they came out and someone made a snide comment to me. And I slapped him across the face with my keys. Oh, no. And left a huge gash in his face from my keys. And he pressed charges. And I had to go and get a lawyer. And luckily, there was some technicalities on the police report. It all got thrown out. But that friend from Indianapolis has never once spoken to me since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, and he was a very dear friend. Yeah. And so uh, I talk about it in the book. I actually talk about Jim uh, at length in the book because of the fact that I lost a huge part of, a huge friend, a huge part of my life because... I chose to drink in excess and I knew because I was on antidepressants, I shouldn't be drinking at all. Right. Right. Wow. Well, um, that's, 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 uh, it's sad. It's a sad story, but I mean, the thing is, is that it feels to me like you have really turned your life around and you're in your forties now. Is that right? Yep. I've been yeah. in 50. You're going to be 50. Oh, this year. This year. All right. right. And when did the book come out? The book came out in May. Okay. All right. Well, um, again, uh, the book is called I Rob Graves. And uh, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming onto the show and for sharing your story. Uh, It's gutsy uh, to do something like this, but I think there's a lot of people out there, particularly in our community that um, will hear and read about themselves as they're reading this book. You know sure. what? It, 
I've, I've gotten a lot of great feedback, personal feedback, not Amazon reviews or that it's really touched their life. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it talks about forgiveness and it talks about acceptance and it's not just a, a preachy book about how to change your life in five easy, easy steps. You know, mm-hmm. I talk about, uh, you know, what it is about, um, uh, hang on. Sorry. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. I talk about what I did in my life. And if you want to use it in your life, that's great. Mm-hmm. That, I, I, I'm not trying to sell you a 12 step program. Yep. Um, but the book is available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's available at any of your local bookstores. If you order it online, most independent stores, you'll be able to order it. So if you want to support your local bookstore, you can go and order it through. They won't have it in stock, um, but you can order it through your local bookstore. All right. Again, uh, the book is I, Rob Graves, um, and the author is uh, Robert Graves. Thank you uh, again for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Um, for putting your story out there. And I think a lot of people will benefit um, from hearing about it. All right. Uh, and uh, try and stay warm there in Buffalo. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Okay. And that's going to do it uh, for us with um, alternative perspectives. Uh, next up, uh, we have Peach State Festival. And I hope you have a wonderful next few days and particularly next uh, weekend or this weekend because, you know, we love weekends. And uh, I'll talk soon. Uh, We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Well, you'll hear me next week.